the Theuba Prophecy, an abduction to the ninth planet with special guest Samuel Chung. Episode 60 of the Michigan UFO Sightings and Paranormal Encounters podcast, live edition. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Michigan UFO Sightings and Paranormal Encounters podcast, where we explore the unexplained and mysterious phenomena that have occurred throughout the state of Michigan and beyond. From UFO sightings to ghostly encounters, we delve deep into the stories, the evidence, and the theories behind these strange events. We are your hosts. I'm Michelle. And I'm Wayne. We are an educator duo that after an encounter with a triangular UFO in 2018 in Michigan, we decided to investigate UFOs and the paranormal. In this podcast, we will be speaking with eyewitnesses, experts, and researchers to uncover the truth about some of the most intriguing cases of paranormal activity in and around Michigan. Our goal is not to convince anyone of the existence of these phenomena, but rather to provide a platform for discussion and exploration. So, buckle up and join us on this journey down the paranormal rabbit hole. On an escalator. And we are live. Welcome, everybody. Hello, to the everyone. <laughs> to the Michigan UFO Sightings and Paranormal Encounters podcast, episode 60. And it is the 1st of July, 2023, at the time of this recording. And we are currently streaming on YouTube, Twitter, and Facebook. Now, after the airing of this live stream, you will be able to hear any of our shows, including this one on iHeartRadio, iTunes, Radio Public, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, Audible, and many others. However, we just received word that Stitcher is shutting down on August 29th, 2023. So if you listen to podcasts on Stitcher or the Stitcher app, you may want to find a new podcast platform to listen to your favorite podcast. So yeah, that was interesting news to get in the email today. So also wanted to take a quick minute to thank everybody, um, that sent positive energies and prayers to our friend, Jared Murphy, the author of it's not aliens worse. It's us. Um, he is home and recovering from the medical condition that he dealt with, which was very scary. Um, I was able to talk to him briefly and um, he's in physical therapy a few days a week now and working on getting his strength back. So once again, we want to thank everyone for the kind prayers and thoughts that were sent to Jared. Um, more to come as Jared recovers. So we're going to give some quick hellos to the chat um, before we have Samuel Chong join us. Um, we've got Tabin um, R with us tonight. We've got Honey Bitter 
and Barry has joined us so far and some, I have a feeling we have some quiet folks in there who haven't just jumped in yet. Yeah. And it doesn't tell us like who's watching and listening on Facebook and things either. So, um, so everybody, thank you for joining us. And once again, you'll be able to hear this. So um, as always, when we do our live situations here, our live shows, um, we like to get questions from the audience. So if you do have questions for Samuel, please put them in all caps and we'll try to get to your questions. We're going to start limiting the questions that we're going to start taking till after the breaks. So that way, you know, you, you can put the, the questions in the chat um, right after we come back from break and we'll have that whole second uh, segment of the podcast for your questions and um, our guests to respond. You know, just remember, you know, we want to say that this live show and the podcast happens because of all of you guys um, and your amazing support. So if you want to help support the podcast, the links are below in the show description with our PayPal, Patreon, Linktree. Um, that will take you to other ways to support the podcast. But one of the best ways that you can support this, this live edition is to like, share, and subscribe. So the more subscribers and support we have, the more incredible content that we can bring you. Yep. So um, we also need to give a couple shout outs again tonight for our, uh, people doing their continued support of the show. We have Hava H for her continued support. And then we have our Patreon members, Tabin R and Cheryl G. Thank you for your continued support. So and with this edition tonight, we have brought back the news section and communication corner. Um, the listener emails and stories back to the podcast, but they're added to the audio podcast afterwards. Correct. So we're doing things this way so that we can maximize time with our guests and also spend time with the news stories and the emails that we get from listeners. So make sure that you sign up for the audio podcast. Go check them out um, on whatever your favorite podcast platform is and listen for those news sections and listener communications. Hello, Lisa. Thank you for joining us. Yes, Lisa, we see you there. Thanks for uh, coming by and, and checking out the shelf tonight. So very happy to see you. Um, yeah, so one quick thing about what we're doing with the news shows and the emails. We are getting emails from people, and we are um, we, we want to still share those emails, but we don't want to eat up time with our guests. So what I'm doing is taking the the emails and the news articles, we are pre-recording those. And then I'm dropping that audio file into the audio file of this live show so that we still will now have, you know, a news section and things like that. So um, I see not sure has joined yep. the chat. So welcome. Not sure. Good seeing you. All right, Michelle, it's time for the audio podcast uh, extras where we got our communication corner and we bring the news back. So what do you want to start with? Well, I would say that we take a look at a couple of these emails that we've received. So I'm going to go ahead and start right in. It says, hello, I am a former naval aviator and afterwards an airline pilot for over 30 years. I was then a police officer for five years at the end of my working life. I am, I guess you could say, a trained observer. I have seen meteorites and comets in all kinds of cloud formations, St. Elmo's fire dancing on many a window and sometimes on the airframe. I cannot imagine there is much more that I have not seen in the air. 
On the night of, of the 16th, April of this year, my wife and I were sitting on our deck in Port Charlotte, Florida. And by the way, the year is 2023. Yes. So it is this year. It was a crisp and clean night after a frontal passage. The sky was bright and filled with stars. The blue sky effect was at a minimum from where we were seated. It was approximately 10.25 to 10.30 when an object passed fairly close to overhead our patio from west toward the northeast. It was dead silent and ethereal in nature. Almost opaque, but with an eerie iridescent leading edge with very subdued puck-type lights, maybe eight or ten all along that leading edge. There were two leading edges and absolutely no running lights. The craft in the daylight would not have been observable due to the ghost-like quality of the entire structure, or rather, lack of structure. Absolutely silent. It was a quiet night, no ambient noise to mask turbine engine noise at all. The speed was estimated at about 250 to 300 miles per hour. Later analysis indicated almost two times that speed. I submitted my report to MUFON and was advised indirectly by the state director that it was a B-2 landing at McDill Air Force Base in Tampa. My house is about 67 to 70 miles from the runway. If it was a B-2, then they must have had a stealth mode that does not produce any engine noise and a Romulan Warbird cloaking system. (laughs) Good old Star Trek. Yeah, I have no idea if you can help me, but if this was a B-2, it was in violation of every regulation for operation over civilian airspace at low altitude. And aren't B2s like really noisy? They are noisy, but very easily to identify. And they're not going to be ethereal in nature. <laughs> well, and would they fly a B2 at night? Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. They, that's what they do. They're stealth bombers and paint it black for a reason. You know, if he's 70 miles away from the uh, airport, the thing's not going to be flying overhead that low and that fast well he came in with a second email to kind of clarify um you know he had left out was the size he said that he was so visually excited and we get that that i am not sure but afterwards both of us thought like a small airliner like a 737 roughly in size the dead silent nature of this encounter still haunts both of them to this day Yep, and then he says, I would very much like to know what I may have seen. So anybody in Port Charlotte, Florida, who's listening that this year, in April, if you saw anything in your backyard at night, just happened to, you know, be sitting by a, you know, a a nice little campfire or anything. Yeah, if anybody saw anything, reach out to us at mi.ufo.podcast at gmail.com. We would love to get back with our friend Mark to to let him know that he's not alone in seeing what both he and his wife saw. And, you know, it's always great to have other eyes that might have witnessed the same thing to get a better picture. Because he did draw everything out. And I think that was a function of MUFON to have you draw a picture and label stuff. And uh, he did send it to us. And my only, I guess, suggestion at this point was that. 
it sounds like it was a triangle encounter. Um, very, very different type of triangle. I mean, it did look like a large wing, but it was moving very fast. Well, and what he talked about with, you know, the one leading edge having the lights on it, but then the other two leading edges, I instantly thought triangle. Well, so, and he says it was like the Romulan Warbird cloaking system. It was blurred. So, to me, that sounds indicative of the whole black triangle type of craft situation. So, you know, if we got other people out there on the 16th of April of 2023 in Port Charlotte, Florida, that might have seen something around 1030 p.m., uh, definitely e- email us. Yeah, definitely email us. Speak out. Um, let's see if we can't get some people together here and start uh, comparing notes. Once again, it was about April 16th, 2023 at about 1025 p.m., 1030 p.m., somewhere in there. A very large black triangular craft with about eight lights on it. So, again, moving very fast. If you saw something, let us know. Crazy stuff. But, Michelle, I think it's that time. It's time for What's in the News. Yes, baby. What is in the news? <laughs> oh, glory to Well, from Newsweek, we've got the GOP congressman suggests UFOs may be ancient civilization. Absolutely. This is from June 28th of 2023. A Republican congressman has suggested that unidentified flying objects are UFOs. Could be an ancient civilization that is hiding on Earth but has only just begun to show itself. Mike Gallagher, a representative for Wisconsin and chair of the House Committee on the Chinese Communist Party, discussed various theories about the potential origins of alien sightings while appearing on the uh, Pat McGaffey show on Tuesday. There he spoke about the ongoing efforts of Congress to investigate claims that the government may be in possession of technology not from this world. House Oversight Committee Chair James Comer announced an investigation into allegations at the beginning of June. The alien probe was launched after various claims were made publicly by David Grouch, a 36-year-old Air Force veteran who previously worked at the National Reconnaissance Office on what is now referred to as unidentified aerial phenomena. Grouch told News Nation after featuring in an article on the same subject in, in Debrief that the government had retrieved several non-human origin technical vehicles, some of which contained dead pilots. Appearing on the sports talk show, Gallagher suggested that one possible explanation of supposed UFO sightings was the so-called Terminator theory, based on the film of the same name, that aliens were actually human beings from the future. Wayne chime in at any time. Another hypothesis, he said, was that as opposed to being us from the future, it could actually be an ancient civilization that's just been hiding here and is suddenly showing itself. Well, we've heard that a bunch of times, though. This is nothing new. It's a legitimate hypothesis that, um, you know, these things have been here before man or might have had their hand in man's evolution. And so, you know, it, it's just one of the hypotheses that's out there. 
and uh, let's continue on this and see where we're going. Another member of the discussion then interjected, like Transformers, referencing the toy and film franchise. Well, they get their information from somewhere. I mean, you do know, like, MUFON was selling people's stories to Hollywood and things, so... I bet. It's not that far-fetched. Independence Day was probably Joe Schmo's story out there. And, you know, look at how much money that made. In which a mechanized race of aliens seeks refuge on Earth from a civil war taking place on their own planet. In comic book literature, they are said to live for millions of years. However, Gallagher said the worst case scenario would be if the reported sightings of craft that appeared to defy modern capabilities were actually advanced technology built by adversarial nations. He added that fears of potential Chinese weapons developments had been his entry point into the UFO discussion. Speaking about the investigation into the UFO claims, the congressman echoed remarks on Monday by GOP Senator from Florida, Marco Rubio, who said those coming forward to give testimony may have held very high clearances within the government, but were fearful of their jobs for speaking out publicly. Gallagher said he could not talk about who they are or the precise number of whistleblowers who had spoken in the investigation, but added that he had already been party to a variety of pretty intense conversations. A spokesperson for Representative Tim Burchett, a Republican congressman for Tennessee, who is one of the leaders of the investigation, previously told Newsweek that definitive hearing dates and witness lists had yet to be finalized, but that he wants this hearing to be done right with credible witnesses. Gallagher argued that it was important to destigmatize speaking out on the subject, as in the past, individuals such as fighter pilots who claim to have seen a UFO we're getting ridiculed. The biggest source of resistance is just people are almost sort of embarrassed to talk about the topic, he said. They think they're going to be labeled a crazy tinfoil hat, conspiracy theory, Looney Tunes person. So just by having these discussions out in the open, I think it goes a long way. However, Gallagher added, Most of the resistance is just from the bureaucracy in the Defense Department and the intelligence community. He claimed that five requests regarding UAPs he had made to U.S. intelligence agencies had yet to explicit a response. Newsweek approached the Department of Defense via email for comment on Wednesday. Both the Department of Defense and NASA have publicly stated that they have no evidence of extraterrestrial life or that government programs to reverse engineered alien technology exist. Dun, dun, dun. People will have to go to Newsweek and like read the comment thread. I'm not going to get into that. Yeah, no kidding. That would be like my own little TikTok show or something. Yeah, that's crazy. (laughs) All right, Michelle, I think we're going to go ahead and jump back into our regular live show now and get going with our interview for Samuel Chung. What do you think? Yeah, we need to get back to Samuel. All right, everybody, we're going to go ahead and bow out. That was the news and communication corner, and we will see you back at the podcast.
All right, Michelle, why don't we go ahead and talk about Samuel's bio? <laughs> okay, so, and remember, you're going to probably have to help me with the last name here again. Okay. So, uh, Samuel is a certified court interpreter and Chinese translator. Samuel Chong was instrumental in arranging for the Chinese publication of the French author Michel uh, Demarquet. There we go. But uh, Theoba Prophecy, which has been a bestseller in both China and Taiwan, a rare phenomenon. Mm -hmm. He visited the author, Michel DeMarque, in 2016 and 2018 and had a close working relationship with him. He also translated the book 334 Lies, the Revelation of H.M. V. Stuhl. Stuhl. It's German. You're, yeah, you speak Yeah, German. I took German in high school. An autobiography of the high master of the chair of a secret society that was started in Germany. Today, he dedicates his efforts in promoting the messages in these books in order to give people hope and to help promote a better world through his scholarship. So, and his website is found in our show description. Correct. So, Wayne, you want to finish that? Yeah, so he graduated from UC Berkeley with a BA in economics. Um, I think that's Universidad Carlos III de Madrid with mm -hmm. a master's in financial analysis. He currently resides in Los Angeles, California. So on this episode, he's going to describe his original life-changing encounter with DeMarquet's book prompting him to make the journey twice to Vietnam in order to meet DeMarque. This resulted in a close working relationship that eventually led to the Chinese publication. DeMarque describes how he was abducted by very kind and attractive eight foot tall hermaphroditic humanoid aliens and taken to their advanced planet. The general, albeit not specific, features of DeMarque's story, factually true or not, are consistent with many similar accounts by other supposed UFO contactees. Jeffrey Mishlov's uh, introduction emphasizes this case as exemplary for exploring the boundary between the imaginary and the imaginal. So shows that Samuel has recently been on has been Coast to Coast AM, Jeffrey Mishlove's New Thinking Aloud, and many others. So without further ado, we want to bring on our guest tonight, Samuel Chung. Hi, Samuel. Hi, Wayne. Great seeing you. Thanks for joining us tonight. Thank you. Okay, so I have to start out with this because we did get the book. I started reading through it and Michelle and I looked at each other and said, we can't read these books. We want to go into them just brand new. So how does somebody with your educational background, and maybe we can start with your childhood a little bit with your educational background, your professionalism, you're an interpreter for Chinese citizens in LA and financially you're, you're all there together mentally how does somebody get into finding this book and then deciding to translate it and, and help DeMarque get his book out there for Chinese citizens? Well, definitely this book is a unique book that contains a lot of uh, specific verifiable information and facts 
that I later did a lot of research on. You know, in the last few weeks, people have been focusing the attention on uh, the disclosure of uh, David Grush, uh, who says that he was involved in uh, uncovering some of the uh, crashed UFO spacecrafts or spacecrafts from ETs. But I think we should also focus on the spacecraft from the ETs um, that uh, did not crash on Earth and will not crash on Earth because uh, of their advanced technologies. And I think uh, it's, um, this book sheds light into some of the far more advanced technologies and civilizations um, uh, in which uh, the, the inhabitants, the, the ETs, um, have been visiting us in the past as documented um, in the ancient scriptures in the Bible and other historical, historical texts in other different, in different cultures like India and China. Um, specifically, um, as the book was written in um, the late 80s, uh, before the days of the internet, it, it contains a lot of um, information that the author, Michel de Marquet, a landscaper in Australia who didn't know how to type and who didn't know how to use a computer, had no way of knowing at that time. For example, it talks about the, the tomb of Jesus Christ in Shingo village, Japan, that people can still visit nowadays and verify the information and the descriptions um, in the book. Um, so it contains a lot of uh, similar information and, and facts that people can look up nowadays and verify. Um, I was fascinated because I always wanted to learn from the ETs because uh, if they can visit us, they must have uh, advanced knowledge and technologies and we can just learn from them uh, to take the shortcut and, and to progress at a much faster pace. So that's my original idea. Okay, very good. So what do you make? Let, let's just jump right into this. What do you make of David Grush coming forward with his information? Um, are these beings still visiting us? Are they here now? I mean, of course, they've been visiting us. It's not just one kinds of ETs. Uh, there, there are many different uh, species or different kinds of ETs that have been monitoring us and kind of uh, as observance. But, but this specific kind of ET as described by Michel de Marquet in the book, Field of Prophecy, is a kind that have been kind of taking the role as, um, I would say, mentors uh, to us in the, in the ancient past and, and until present day as well. So they have been assisting us behind the scenes and indirectly to help us to evolve on a more spiritual level uh, versus the um, material level. Yeah, that's that's very interesting. So, these is it Theubans, Theubans, yes, uh, or Theubans? Yes. Okay, where are they from exactly, and how do they travel? If uh, talking about advanced technology, how are they able to do this? Well, um, they are in our Milky Way galaxy for sure, and uh, they travel. They can travel at the speed a few times faster than the speed of light. What they do is that they travel into deep space first at a speed a few times faster than the speed of light. And then they would use what they would call, um, what we would call teleportation to immediately uh, trans transfer themselves or teleport themselves 
into another space, like another location, immediately, almost instantaneously, also in deep space. And then they would again travel at a speed a few times faster than the speed of light to reach their destination. So this is how they're able to travel um, at such a long distance. The reason they have to do teleportation in deep space is that if they did that in uh, our atmosphere or our space time, then it, their, their spaceship would uh, would have been exploded. So they have to do that in deep space. So the the crashed craft that we are being told about that has been recovered is this some of their craft, or is this a totally different species of aliens that are, you know, investigating us or, you know, coming to check us out? I mean, the crashed ones um, probably are from uh, different uh, ET species from from this, uh, the Theobans. Because, I mean, if they crash on Earth, that indicates that their technologies are not as far advanced as to prevent them from being um, from having this kind of accidents on Earth. So um, I would say some of them are probably from the Greys, who also come from Category 1 planet, the same category as ours. So even though they have uh, um, advanced technologies, uh, they're not that far advanced compared to the Theobans, as written in this book. Um, and actually, Michelle de Marquet was told by the Theobans that the Greys also come to visit us just to observe us and to see how we respond to our increasingly decreased immune system because they are actually having the same problem and they're a dying race. And they actually put implants on some of us, about 150 people or so by the year 1995, just to monitor us. But there is no harm um, done by them um, regarding their implants. Why are they a dying race? Because they're, they have been boosting their immune system and they have uh, similar issues that we are having right now. We have been losing our immune system since 1948, um, according to the telepathic message received by Michel de Marquet. And um, I think, um, yeah, they, they want to monitor us and to see, how, to see how we respond to the same situation. Interesting. So... Obviously, there's other species of of ET, what we would call ET, or you know, citizen aliens in the galaxy. Um, how how different are they in technology levels, and how would they find us? Well, they're very different uh, physically and also technologically, technologically and also spiritually, and actually, the universe has um, deemed uh, uh, nine different categories of planets based on their um, spiritual involvement. And we are on category one planet and uh, the lowest category in the universe. Uh, the Theobans are on category nine planet, the highest level. And further from category nine, that will be the great spirit, the great ether, uh, the creator of the universe. So they can actually rejoin and rejoin um, the the spirit, the creator of the universe, or what we, we would call God, who created everything, the planets, the stars, and, and animals, and plants, and human beings. Um, they can, I mean, the inhabitants of Category 9 planets, they're highly evolved, both spiritually and, and technologically, and so they're able to know everything. They have the knowledge 
to visit us and, and to to see how things are. And they actually um, nowadays, especially in the last few decades or so, uh, they can actually live among us without us knowing everything. Hmm. So I take it that if they're on a very advanced planet and they are very advanced humanoids or you know beings they must be very spiritual is that what originally you like when you found the book what really drew you into learning about well in the very very beginning i was just focused on the technologies from the ets hmm. trying to see yep. how we can uh, get ahead of ourselves the current uh, <laughs> state of uh, the affairs but then um you know, what really struck me the most um, about the book was that it talks about the stories in the Bible. The chapter on who is Christ really made me couldn't put the book down because, you know, I was a non-believer of uh, the Bible, or the stories in the Bible because of so many inconsistencies and, and also the way that uh, some of the Christians act in the past, like uh, the uh, Spanish uh, Inquisition or something like that. So I was a non-believer of the Bible. And also I thought that the, what what was the miracles performed by Jesus Christ were just too incredible um, and to be believed. But this book, Theoba Prophecy, explains everything what happened uh, in the past, their involvement, um, like uh, regarding the destruction of the two cities, Soda and Gomorrah, how they led um, Moses uh, out of Egypt, leading the Hebrews out of Egypt, parting the Sea of Reeds, not the Red Sea, but the Sea of Reeds, and also the birth of Jesus and Christ, the coming of Christ. So um, that actually struck me the most because it made perfect sense how uh, Christ was able to perform miracles and why there's no record of uh, Jesus performing any miracles in the Bible before the age of 30. Hmm. Yeah, that is very interesting because you do hear people take ufology and ufos and aliens and then they turn it from a uh, uh, uh nuts and bolts spacecraft technology type of idea and they go to the demonic side that all of these things are demonic they're they're evil entities manipulating us and f trying to feed off our energies and things like that from some other dimension what is your response to people that believe something like that I mean, if the ETs are demonic or if they are going to invade us, they would have done that long time in the past, like decades ago, maybe hundreds of years ago or thousands of years ago. They wouldn't have to wait now or sometime in the future. If they want to get our resources, if they can actually travel to visit us, they wouldn't need our resources anymore. We, to them, are just like uh, primates in, in the zoo, like monkeys or gorillas. Um, do you see the human beings, like human beings like us, uh, fighting the resources against the gorillas or monkeys uh, and grabbing their, their bananas away from them? You wouldn't because we can get, we can grow bananas ourselves. We wouldn't want to get bananas from the monkeys or the gorillas. And similarly, the ETs that can visit us, they have their own ways to get re enough sufficient resources on their own. They wouldn't want to invade us to get our resources or even to enslave us. I mean, if you if you think about this, um, um, people talk about the secret space programs like 
ETs uh, enslaving people. Uh, we actually haven't been on the moon for 50 years for a very good reason, because we were worn down from the moon. We went to the moon, but we were worn down from the moon by the ETs because we are not ready. We were not ready and we are not ready. The people who are allowed to explore the universe are the ones who are highly evolved, at least to a certain level, spiritually, so that they don't pollute the universe or other planets. They wouldn't invade other planets or people on the other planets. Um, we are not ready, and, and they would, uh, the, the Theobans or whatever, whoever they've warned us off wouldn't, um, wouldn't allow other kinds of ETs or malignant ETs, uh, malicious ETs to invade us either. So, um, so I think uh, people who really want to uh, portray the idea or the narrative of the ET invasion or alien invasion are probably the special interest groups who want to get uh, more funding from the government because uh, the military industrial complex, they need money. They need to create an enemy <laughs> to make money and to get more fundings. So people need to realize that. And I know I said I wanted to wait to take <clears throat> questions uh, after the break, but uh, Lisa asked a really good one. Is this book in English? Yes, it is English. Originally, Michel de Marquet wrote it in French and had a very good translator called uh, Kay Smith. Uh, translated into English, and and I um, had a book translated into uh, Chinese. Uh, is uh, it, it can be found on Amazon and on on Google too. Now, when you were talking about the military-industrial complex, and we need an enemy to fight so that that economy can keep itself going, and everybody knows those stories. We were warned many many years ago after World War II about this militarization of everything and turning it into a big business, which kind of pretty much has happened. So do you think that that's what's going on right now with what we're hearing about uh, UFO hearings in Congress and now the setup of, of this AARO or Aero office and David Grush coming forward? Do you think this is leading us into more funding for what people will think will be UFO research, but it's really making more advanced weaponry here for the states. I mean, um, we have to distinguish the people who disclose certain information by two groups. One group wants to get more government funding and wants to create this kind of uh, imaginary enemy or uh, uh, like the ETs and and I think uh, that group is uh, having an agenda. But there are more, there's another group that's more sincere, like uh, Dr. Stephen Greer and others, who uh, kind of realize that we have to evolve ourselves spiritually in order to be able to communicate um, or make direct contact with the ETs. Um, in this book, Theoba Prophecy, it tells us that uh, there are, or there were ancient civilizations that had very highly evolved um, uh, people in the ancient past, the Lemurians and the Atlant Atlant people on the Atlantis continent. Um, and back 4,500 years ago, 14,500 years ago, um, people existed or lived on the continent. And this group of the ETs, the Theopans, made direct contact with them. 
and appeared in front of them because they had a very successful and spiritually evolved civilization. And they were ready to communicate and contact the ETs from the Theobans, from, from the from Theoba. So that's why um, that's why they were ready, but we are not yet. So we have to make us all, ourselves prepared and be ready for the for the contact. Now you did the translations into Chinese, and I'm just from an academic standpoint. Was that really difficult to do with a book like this? It is actually the most challenging book that I ever tried to translate because, you know, I work with a lot of uh, lawyers and doctors. Those are just direct translations. But for this book, it contains uh, so many details that uh, sometimes the readers would uh, contact me and say, you did this uh, inaccurately and incorrectly. Please modify it. So I have to make a lot of revisions even after the book uh, was published in China and Taiwan. Yeah, it just seems like that it would be very difficult trying to find words from one culture and language to be able to match another one. But how is it taken in China and Taiwan? How how did they like the book? I mean, the two uh, states, uh, the two countries have two totally two different ideologies. China, the media is totally controlled, 100% controlled by the government. So this book had to uh, be published as a science fiction, even though uh, a lot of people believe that the, the, uh, what really happened to Michel de Marquet was true as described in the book. In Taiwan, it's published as a spiritual book and a religious book, kind of like crossover. And uh, it's actually been really well received by the people in both places, both countries. So, um, and the book really does give a lot of spiritual guidance to us um, and talks about the creation of life and the, the meaning of life. Um, I can just summarize the, very quickly is that uh, we- Yeah, good, good timing on this one because Janice just asked, uh, do they give any spiritual guidance? Yes, uh, the meaning of life is that uh, we are, um, we are born in this lifetime just to accumulate spiritual lessons so that when we die, when we give up our physical body, our astral body would gain the knowledge that we accumulated in this lifetime and then to uh, rejoin our higher self so that we can move up to the ladder. Um, we have to, I can... I can talk about uh, a little bit more in the sense that uh, how we human beings come into being is that when God created every one of us, it inserted a tiny portion of itself to each of our astral bodies. So besides physical body, we also have our spiritual astral body and, and God um, inserted a tiny portion of itself to each one of us. So we are part of God and God is part of us. So when we encounter life challenges, uh, we should look inside of ourselves for answers and not to follow a specific religion or a specific politician. Because uh, as uh, what's mentioned in the Bible, the kingdom of God is within you. So we don't need to follow the priests or pastors in a church. We should follow our heart, our gut feelings, or what's inside of ourselves through meditation, through um, prayers, or through uh, or having a good night of sleep. 
Um, so this is a way to gain knowledge, to gain directions um, from our higher self, from our spiritual body. Well, that seems uh, very counterintuitive to the world we live in today, where it's like we're not here to gain spiritual essence and knowledge. We're more here to gather materialistic things and technology, which brings me to a point. I had asked you in an email before you came on the show about giving me one of your favorite quotes so I could make the thumbnail, you know, and put it out there. And you said this, you said, technology should assist spiritual development, not confine people more and more within a materialistic world as is happening now on our planet. Care to elaborate and dig into that a little bit? That sounds very profound. Yes, and uh, really far-sighted. Remember the book was written in the late 80s, and you can see now what's happening in uh, the technology world. Uh, artificial intelligence, uh, chat GPT. And I think uh, we have to realize that um, the purpose of life is to accumulate spiritual lessons. If you, if you really read uh, a lot of books written by people who have near-death experiences, you're going to know that they never regret um, that they didn't get the lottery. They never regret that they didn't buy that house that uh, um, appreciated in value multiple times. What they regret is that they didn't really take care of uh, their families uh, well enough or they needed uh, uh, kind of uh, to bond relationships better in their lifetimes. So this is what they're thinking about after they have this kind of near-death experiences. Um, so relationship or spiritual uh, lessons are uh, the ones that they focus on, not materialistic aspects of lives. Um, and, and we all die, and when we die, we, we don't take away any wealth, uh, material wealth. What we can take away are the memories, how we did in this lifetime. And actually, when we die, we go through a life review process. We can feel the, how the others felt when we did certain things onto them. Uh, for example, when I, if I hit someone, I would be able to feel the pain of the other person. So this is... Um, all projected in you know, a holographic form that we are able to feel the uh, feelings of the other people. Technology, on the other hand, is actually moving us into the materialistic aspects of our lives. And I think we need to realize that technology is not all that bad. If we can redirect them into um, helping us to grow more spiritually, for example, if we are able to develop like an aura camera, a, a camera that can capture the human energy fields, we would be able to predict if someone is going to have uh, any physical illness or not. We are able to tell whether a politician is lying on stage because the aura shows it. Um, if you do some research on auras and people can read auras, you're able to know that um, uh, the aura seers or the aura readers are able to distinguish whether someone is lying or not, or whether someone has uh, malicious intent or not. So this is like technology can be a double-edged sword. It can benefit us spiritually, but it can also lead us to, to a more like a spiritual downfall. 
You know, it's like any tool, honestly. I mean, you can use a, a fork and knife to eat your food, or you can also use it as a weapon. I mean, it, it's really up to having a well-rounded person that's going to be spiritually and mentally sound and, and, and have an understanding of life to know how to use these tools properly and, and, and to have respect for life. So very interesting. So everybody, just real quick, we are joined tonight by Samuel Chung. He is the translator of the book, The Theoba Prophecy, and we are really getting into this deep and some really great conversations tonight. Um, Michelle, did you want to jump in with any questions? Well, and Lisa's asking about reading auras. Mm. So asking, you know, if if it truly is a real thing and probably how she could uh, find someone who would do that. Yes, uh, for those who are interested, by the way, there's a very important skill for people to have. People can read books written by Barbara Brennan. Um, she was a former NASA scientist, and he wrote books, um, Hands Up Light, um, a three, uh, a trilogy. Um, and she she documented how she was able to see auras and read people's um, human energy field. And people can also look up uh, a lady in Australia called Judith Collins, C-O-L-L-I-N-S. And, and she wrote a book, How to Read and Interpret Auras, and, and um, it can be found on Amazon. And there are people who can do that. My friend Roger in Los Angeles, um, he can do that. And I personally tested his uh, aura reading abilities. So we went to like a place you know, where people get uh, government subsidies, uh, like food, free, free distributed foods. And I asked him to see if uh, he was able to tell anyone who is uh, unique or and different from the auras. And he handpicked a person and telling me that person is very unique, having a very kind of a bright aura. It turns out that person is a very accomplished photographer and who traveled to many countries in the world, financially stable and also spiritually evolved. And, and I tested his abilities time and time again and turned out to be extremely accurate. So people can read auras for sure. And if you look on the internet, you're going to see a lot of information. Now I'm interested in what is going to happen with AI. And it, it seems that there's a lot of people who were involved with creating AI and really getting it moving that are now leaving their jobs and saying, hey, they need to put the brakes on. Is there anything in the prophecy about AI? Uh, you know, and I know this was written in the 80s, but there seems to be a a understanding of how humans can advance their technology. We still are wondering about the great pyramids that are, you know, I think older than 14, 15,000 years. I think it goes way back to that first Atlantean civilization. We just can't find any of the tools anywhere. They, those were wiped out or repurposed, but AI seems to be putting everybody on notice and on edge as to uh, a, a potential danger. Is there anything in the prophecy about that? And what are your thoughts on AI going forward? Well, the book uh, uh, doesn't really mention anything about AI. 
However, it talks about the dangers on Earth. Um, number one being money. Number two, politicians. Number three, journalists and drugs. Number four, religions. So it really depends how AI is used um, for us or against us by the special interest groups or or if you if you really look at what's happening around us in the last few years or so, everything revolves around money, and the politicians uh, work for the special interest groups. So um, people need to really know what's happening behind the scenes. People need to have the knowledge and to so that they can respond uh, correctly and appropriately when certain situations come up in the future. By the way, the book is not a, a book of prophecy, but a book of uh, warnings from the ETs who have advanced uh, uh, technologies and advanced civilization. And um, um, it's not a book of prophecy because we decide our future. Um, the future really depends how we make certain choices um, when we encounter certain situations in the future. The Theobans, even with their advanced technologies, uh, their involvement, involvement or evolvement, they cannot predict what's going to happen uh, more than 100 years ahead of time. They can only tell what's going to happen within 100 years or so, because we do, we can change the future. Um, the past is fixed. Actually, they took Michel de Marquet to the past about 14,500 years ago when the continent of Lemuria sunk into the ocean. Um, but the future is changeable. We can change the future for the better. The Atlantans. I find that story fascinating. Now, my understanding is, and my belief by looking into physical things about Atlantis is that these were an advanced people. Uh, pretty much everybody back before the ending of the last ice age was was pretty advanced. I mean, they had mathematics and, you know, it, we just can't find a lot of the tools. Now, is there any explanation in the prophecy book, the Theoban prophecy, that speaks to the Atlantans and what level of spirituality or how were they risen? You know, how high up were you say we're a planet on a one out of nine on the scale. Where were we before we had this encounter with whatever wiped out the last, you know, uh, took out the ice age and all the megafauna and mammoths and saber tooth tigers and all that and left a few thousand humans running around. Well, uh, Atlantis existed a uh, long time ago. Uh, there were actually two continents that existed a long time ago, about 250,000 years ago, uh, actually longer than that. Um, the more advanced civilization that existed was uh, actually the Lemurians who colonized the people on Atlantis. Um, and uh, the Lemurians had a civilization that in which money, it, it didn't exist money at all. So people were highly evolved in the sense that they um, think about a greater good, the community, and no one took advantage of each other or one another, uh, each other. And, and if they need something, they just grabbed 
uh, what they needed from the marketplace. And, and they, there was no waste and, and there was no money exchange. Uh, and, and people just uh, were helping each other and, and had this kind of great civilization. And they had a very unique political system as well in which um, just um, the highly evolved people were elected to become the leaders. So there were no, no parties, no like parties like us. We have a Democratic and Republican Party always fighting against each other. They didn't have that. They, they had a king uh, with uh, six um, um, senior councils. Um, and and um, so they had a lot of um, advanced technologies and they built a, a very um, highly uh, advanced uh, pyramid in their capital, Casanova on the northwestern corner of their continent. Uh, it is them who pass the knowledge to the Atlanti uh, people in Atlantis. Uh, and also uh, that's why um, a great person called Thoth from Atlantis was able to build a great pyramid in Egypt about 17,000 years ago. So he had a knowledge of um, anti-gravitational technologies. And he was also able to use what they call the supersonic vibratory systems to cut the huge stones in a very precise manner. And he had the knowledge to align the huge stones in a perfect and precise manner so that the Great Pyramid of Egypt was actually built as a tool to capture the cosmic and terrestrial energies so that the users like the ancient pharaohs in the past could use it to communicate with people on other planets and to explore a parallel universe and to make rain. Um, so the pyramid was actually and is actually an energy center, not a tomb for the pharaohs. Yeah, they've never once found a body or any kind of legitimate writing in in these pyramids, and they call them tombs because of the the supposed uh, sarcophagi. You know that the those big boxes are uh, coffins. In other words, is there any um, idea as to what those like at Saqqara, the the large black boxes that are underground? Um, the granite boxes are amazing. They're beautifully shaped and polished. Any idea on what those were for or used uh, back during their time? Michel de Marquet wasn't shown what the use was, but he was shown how the pyramid was used by the ancient people. So back 14,500 years ago, as I mentioned, on the continent of Lemuria, there was a, a pyramid that's three times as large as the Great Pyramid of Egypt. And Michel de Marquet saw in a holographic form, actually he traveled past in time and saw like a holographic film or kind of a scenario environment that two people were meditating inside of the pyramid, the, similar to what's now the king's chamber. Uh, so they have a very deep meditation and concentration. And he actually saw the smoke coming out of the fingers of the of of the two people uh, and the smoke actually went to the top or the tip of the pyramid going straight uh, high and straight into into other uh, planets and uh, he immediately knew that they were communicating with people on different planets um, so that's how the how they were used <laughs> 
You know, that's very interesting. Michelle and I are both teachers. And one of the classes that Michelle teaches is a mythology class. And she dips her toes into a little bit of uh, Egyptian Egyptian mythology. Uh, Michelle, why don't you give us a rundown on what our understanding is of Toth or Thoth and uh, how, you know, what he actually does. And let's compare to what Samuel knows from the Theoban prophecy book. And let's see what we have here. What's different. What's the same. Oh, you've got to remember that I'm teaching seventh and eighth graders on a very basic level. They have no idea who, who Toth is coming into the discussion. So, you know, it's kind of like the, the, the God of the, the wisdom, the all knowing, Um, you know, all they know is, oh, you know, oh, look, he's got an animal head. Well, there's more to it than that. So what do you well, wanna... well did, wasn't he the one that weighed the soul? No, that's Anubis. Oh, that's Anubis. Okay. See, I don't even remember. So, I mean, Samuel, you talked about the, the, the life replay and the, uh, you know, at the end and feeling other people's pain. And that was handled by Thoth, right? Am I correct in that? Um, that's actually from the, accounts of people who had the near-death experiences. But okay. Michel de Marquis actually visited his past lives, his 80 past lives, um, briefly. And he was able to share some of his accounts and personal feelings and experiences uh, when that happened. So we do have, um, we do have reincarnation. So uh, before we go on break, what about people that are here on this planet and you know get called psychopaths or sociopaths and they have you know no empathy or very little their brain chemistry seems to be off than the normal type of person they don't feel the same they don't look at people the same um where do they fit in when it comes to past lives and in you know being reincarnated and things like that well, uh, we do, I mean, we can use the example of Hitler. I mean, he killed so many, so many people. But, I mean, we have, um, the life is a little bit complicated in, in, in the sense that uh, before we are born into this lifetime, we are shown certain key events that's going to happen in our lifetime. But at the same time, we also have our free will. So it's a combination of predestination and free will that uh, make, makes uh, everything uh, more interesting. So um, sometimes people forget the, what the life purpose is. And some people get affected by kind of uh, technologies or special kind of uh, incidents in, in their past lives or current lives. So we, we do have, so life is a very complicated uh, um, combination of uh, everything uh, and, and but i can testify that uh, people can, who can see auras who can read auras can immediately tell whether a person is a psychopath or if a person used uh, hallucinogenic drugs in the past or if a person is an alcoholic or if a person is a psychic so they are able to tell from the human energy fields 
Okay. I find that fascinating because my my last group of mythology students, we actually had a discussion on prophecy versus free will. And it was amazing that 75% of the class believed in prophecy and could actually explain to me what it was as opposed to free will. So, yeah. Very interesting. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, we have been joined by Samuel Chong, and he is the translator of the book, The Theuba Prophecy. And what we're going to do now is we're going to take a quick break for about four minutes, five minutes, excuse me, to stretch the legs, use the bathroom, grab something to drink. And uh, Samuel, is that fine that you come back and we'll take some questions from the chat and... uh, and we'll start to wrap it up. Yes. Okay, great. I'm going to send you to the green room here in the back. All right, Michelle, so far we're having a great conversation. Uh, I see people coming and going in and out of chat. That's awesome. So yeah, thanks I would for joining us. Definitely like to start off with Rick's question about what yeah. Samuel thinks about the man allowing the spirit to guide him. Yes. So, so and that kind of that ties in with what we just finished talking right. about, you know, yep. the prophecy versus free will. Absolutely. All right, everybody, we're going to do our quick about four minute break and we will be back shortly. Thank you. Traveling near New Boston, Michigan? Hungry? Well then, you need to check out New Boston Coney and Grill tucked away at 37005 Huron River Drive. With daily specials, homemade soups and desserts, and a staff that makes you feel like family, you will not be disappointed. Give them a try for dine-in or carry-out at 734-606-5313. You can find their page, including their menu, on Facebook. Bon Appetit! All right, everybody, we're back. All right, that was a quick break. My gosh, but we are joined tonight with Samuel Chung, and he is the translator of the book from French and English to uh, Chinese for the people of China and Taiwan of the Theoban Prophecy. So we're going to go ahead and bring Samuel back in. And Samuel, I want to start with a my own personal question, and that is the technology that the Theobans use. Can you tell us a little bit about how that works? Is it anti-gravity? Are we getting close to understanding some of their stuff? And uh, are we going to get the attention of some other species out there as we continue to grow our technology? Well, um, we have to grow spiritually as well because um, certainly I I know that the governments uh, in the world um, have certain technologies such anti such as anti gravity technology, and the Theobans uh, really know how to use it uh, very well uh, by neutralizing uh, gravity using a certain kind of uh, vibrational frequency, and Tibetans the Tibetan monks uh, in the past. Um, had a musical instrument in which they played certain sounds that can move the huge stones up into the air as documented by, I think, uh, either Dutch or British travelers at that time before the Chinese Communist Party took over Tibet. Um, So 
we have that technology now and we did we also had the technology in the past uh, in terms of the Theobans, they used a different kind of technology as well. So they focused more on the vibrational frequencies of nature, for example, colors and lights. So um, they disinfected Michel de Marquet using yellow light and blue light. So I found a research paper by Harvard Medical School that certain wavelengths of blue light have uh, antibacterial antiviral effects. And also just a few years ago, a research study um, by Chinese researchers, um, um, they documented um, like certain wavelengths of yellow light have antibacterial effects. So they used uh, different colors um, for certain different things, for different certain things. And they also can combine hydrogen and oxygen molecules into water. So they are able to make purified water from, from the air. And they are able to communicate with uh, Michel de Marquet using telepathy. They're able to perform all the miracles as performed by Jesus Christ as documented in the Bible. They're able to uh, levitate, they're able to kind of materialize objects. They're able to shrink themselves um, kind of like <laughs> what uh, Christ did um, and, and to kind of uh, transform, I mean, to change their appearance and, and all of a sudden. And they're also able to do a lot of uh, certain things like projecting illusions to certain people. Um, and um, they're, they're able to kind of influence the actions of our leaders, uh, politicians. Um, specifically, they prevented Germany from being the first country to develop the atomic bomb during World War II. Um, and I did some research study on that. Um, there was a German scientist called uh, Dr. Heisenberg, who was far more advanced than the Amer American scientists in developing, developing the atomic bomb. But for some reason, probably due to the influence of our EP friends, he made a very stupid mistake. Um, and a report was sent to Hitler indicating that it would be impossible for Germany to have so much raw materials to develop the bomb, to make the bomb. So Hitler gave the plan up, gave up the plan. So that's what happened. So they sided in the, with the US government at that time because to them, the US government was more sincere in ensuring individual liberties at that time. Um, so they have uh, all the different technologies that we can think of. They also have uh, weapons. They helped um, to disseminate or kill the, the gigantic animals or insects that were harmful to 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 humans on a different planet. Uh, so they, they have all kinds of technologies we can think of. Michelle, did you want to get into that question that I came did. from Rick? Um, Rick had asked a question earlier that says, what does he think about man allowing the spirit to guide him through life rather than man trying to train his spirit to become what man thinks it should be? Well, um, I think uh, it really depends on whether you want to evolve uh, faster or slower. If you want to evolve spiritually at the fastest pace or, or path, then you should follow nature and follow the heart, your heart. 
because your heart is connected with your higher self. Um, by what I mean is that uh, you can meditate or pray in order to follow the guidance from the answers of your prayers or your intuition, your gut feelings. That way you can make better choices in your, in your life because uh, the choices given, the answers, the responses given to you will be the best for your spiritual development or spiritual growth, not necessarily your material advancements. So I have a very interesting example, like, um, you know, I'm here in Los Angeles, there's a lady, a Chinese lady who has uh, kind of a psychic powers. She can see the internal organs of a person. And she had a dream uh, in which a series of uh, numbers were shown to her. She said she wanted to build like a temple for people to pray and to raise their spiritual levels. And so he, she asked her husband to buy the lottery um, based on the numbers given to her in her dreams. And her husband forgot about that. <laughs> it turned out that oh, was no. the, big price, <laughs> the biggest price uh, in, in the history of California. And, and it's actually, um, you know, she had the intent, but her actions might not follow her intent. That's why, that's probably why her husband didn't do that because she, even though she had this kind of psychic powers or psychic abilities, uh, I, I'm her friend, so I know that after she gets the money, she might not follow her original <laughs> intention. <laughs> I know her. Well, you know, there was probably something in my life that probably did the same exact thing, or at least in my mother's life. When I was really young, my mom used to work at a convenience store as one of her five jobs that she used to have as I was growing up. And there was always back in the day where you would collect bottle caps. I mean, we're talking like the early 80s. I was like 12 years old. And if you spelled out a certain word, you would win a prize. And the word that we were trying to spell and collecting bottle caps was for a 7-Up promotion. And it was you would win $7 million if the caps you collected, each cap had a letter in it. If it's spelled crisp and clean and no caffeine, because that was, you know, the seven up, you know, little logo at the time. Well, we had been collecting bottle caps and bottle caps and bottle caps. And we got so used to collecting bottle caps that I handed my mom one and I said, is this the one we've been waiting for? Because there's always just the one letter this the single letter that was hard to find. And she was like, no, 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 we don't need that one. You know, throw it away. Okay that was the one we needed. We could have had $7 million in because I asked her, I remember asking her like a few months later, like we had that, didn't we? And you threw it away. And she was like, I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> so I know, I, I, I know the feeling of probably it was not a good time for having such uh, uh, money show up in, in our lives. I really want to make one more point is that sometimes people um, look up for the super wealthy like Bill Gates or Jeff Bezos. But if you really look at it from a more spiritual perspective, they encounter more challenges in their lifetime than us because they face a lot, tremendous amount of temptations like drugs and, and, and women and, and also the other kind of um, temptations that, <laughs> that would lead them into a, a different path. 
So that's a very challenged life to be in, to be uh, the richest person or the super wealthy. Um, if we look at the, a lot of uh, the super wealthy or some of the big name families and a lot of their children take on drugs. And, and the book talks about the, the dangers of using drugs, hallucinogenic, hallucinogenic drugs. And, uh, and also um, it's going to cause um, a, a cause a lot when they reincarnate because it damages the drugs damage their astral body their higher mm. self so that's a very a very a very big danger to them yeah all right everybody we're in our second our second segment of the show where we're looking for questions from our chat room and things like that so if you have a question for samuel please throw it in chat right now i'm going to throw out another question about what you were just talking about with the hallucinate hallucinetic dr drugs oh my god if i could talk um there's been a lot of talk and research now getting done into like things like ayahuasca and these mind altering drugs, I think they're more than mind altering. I think they're consciousness altering. And there are people who are using psilocybin and things like that for PTSD and, you know, those kind. Now, is there a, a point where that stuff is okay to use versus like the recreational? I mean, where do we draw the line? They come from nature. They help certain people sometimes and then other times we see you know fentanyl and cocaine and other drugs out there that are just ravaging you know people and basically allowing them to commit a slow suicide so what is your thoughts on that and what does the prophecy speak to well the line is um, whether it is hallucinogenic or not I, I look at a lot of evidence um, and I try to find a lot of evidence of the damages uh, caused by certain drugs. Um, I You know, our readers, they're extremely accurate in predicting whether a person is going to have a physical illness or not. So I asked uh, the oral readers a lot, what, what kind of auras are the drug users? They say that uh, their auras look very ugly and uh, it, it's really something that uh, I wouldn't want to give it a try no matter what because um, a few years down the road um, they're going to see the effect if you really look at the users of marijuana they age much faster than the non-users um, if, if people really focus on it and do the study uh, and uh, it's, I know a lot of people in the spiritual community they, they want to experience it but in this book, The Uber Prophecy, it talks about the effects of that. Not only do they damage our astral body, our spiritual body, they lead us into a false paradigm, a false kind of a scenario in which it's, it's not supposedly something that we should uh, uh, experience because it's false, it's not real. Uh, we should experience the real life here and to gain spiritual lessons, so to evolve. Um, but I mean, it's just my personal opinion. People can do additional research and draw your own conclusions. Um, so a question for you, because, you know, we're also huge fans of the paranormal. What is the connection with the Theoba prophecy and, you know, people saying that they see ghosts or shadow people or anything paranormal? Yes, the book specifically talks about ghosts. 
ghosts are actually the electrons from the astral body of the people who just pass away. Um, I can elaborate a little bit more on that. When a person passes, the astral body leaves a physical body and 81% of the electrons of the astral body um, goes back to the higher self after three days. So this is why Christ, after being, um, after being crucified, uh, he resurrected after three days. And this is why the Tibetans have a culture, a custom, in which the corpse of the dead are not to, are not to be touched for three days. So after three days, 81% of the electrons of the astral body goes to the higher self, reunites with the higher self. The other 19% remains in nature until either a person reincarnates or um, the electrons are recycled by nature. For example, it goes into plants or animals or, or another human being. Because electrons have uh, uh, memories, so this is why ghosts frequently haunt places they loved or hated. And because of static forces, ghosts resemble the appearance or shape of the person who just passed away. So there's nothing to be afraid of or amazed at ghosts. There, it's just a natural phenomenon. If you don't want them to bother you, just use a lighter because electrons are afraid of uh, fire. Hmm. Very interesting. Yeah, we've had some paranormal stuff, or at least I've had some paranormal stuff seem to happen. Um, there was one point where uh, after my mother's funeral, I had some flowers preserved and we were looking at the flowers. They were in a small glass case. And I was looking at the handiwork of the person that, that did the flower preserve, you know, the preservation for us. And as I moved in closer, I could smell cigarette smoke. And it was my mother's cigarette smoke. That's basically what killed her was the smoking. And she got lung cancer and passed away. Um, I would step back about a foot from this enclosure with the flowers and it was gone. I moved forward, they looked close again and I could smell it. And it, it was almost like a, it was a, I want to say like a, a dome or orb of smoke in a non-smoking, I don't smoke, I don't do any of that stuff in, in a confined area. I even asked my ex-wife, I was like, do you smell that? Go closer to it. And she did, and she smelled it, and she was like, oh, my God, it smells like your mother's cigarette smoke. So, you know, it, that that's just one of many weird things that I've had happen. So, yeah, very, very interesting. Um, so, chat, anybody out there, you guys are being quiet tonight. Usually you guys are all fired up. Any questions for Samuel? You know, well, Lisa asked a, a really great question. How does a person raise their vibration? You know, is it through Ooh, gratitude? Good question. So. Well, you know, this question can be answered by uh, our readers or our seers, in which I asked already. Uh, do this Collins, an amazing aura reader, and she says the best aura um, and the brightest aura that she has ever seen actually came from a Catholic nun who devoted her entire life in helping the poor, providing uh, dinner and lunch for the people on the streets without any um, kind of uh, kind of uh, thinking about any payback or any 
kind of contribution from them or recognition from others. She was just totally altruistic and just devoted her entire life in helping the poor. So I think devotion and helping others uh, is uh, probably the best way to raise your vibration. And I also think prayers and meditation um, helps as well. And, uh, and, and I think uh, we should know that we are all created by the common creator, God, and we are all from the same source. So uh, we should uh, forget about divisions and our differences and, and help each other. And this is uh, what makes our civilization great. You know, I'm really fascinated with what you were talking about with sound. Um, for many, many, many years, I studied martial arts and I had a Japanese martial arts instructor and he used to teach us certain breathing techniques. Now, what we studied was a form of martial arts called Aiki Jiu-Jitsu or Daitaru Aiki Jiu-Jitsu, which split off and in, in, in kind of went its own ways and created Aikido came from that, you know, but we studied the harder style with the sword work and all of that stuff. But my, my instructor at the time in Japan, he was very much an engineer, but very, very spiritual. And he would teach us this breathing technique. And all he would say is, ah, oh, and mm. and he would talk, and he, he taught us how to breathe. It was really fascinating. Like when we were to breathe, we were supposed to push our stomachs out and breathe by pushing our stomachs out and fill our lungs and our stomachs with air. And then we would, as we would breathe out, it would make this, we would basically make the sound of ah, oh, and mm. And he said the first one was to, the vibration was to massage the heart. I think he said the ah. So you're like ah, right? And opening the throat and controlling the breath. And then it was into the throat with Ooh, and then the last one was to the pituitary gland, he would say, and it was, mm. so you actually, when you make that sound, you can feel the vibration going through your head. Are these things that have been passed down from ancient times, um, from the teachings of the Theobans? Well, the Theobans only help us indirectly by guiding us. Um, and showing us the the, the, the right path uh, on spirituality. Okay. I think the knowledge that you're talking about um, came from um, Atlantis or Lemuria because in their civilizations, they knew all the uh, resonant frequencies that could uh, elevate the different chakras in our body. Uh, we do have uh, six or seven chakras, major chakras, and we also have minor chakras. And sound vibrations do form resonance uh, to our chakras. And um, I think music, different sounds, and also different colors of lights do have effects on our our uh, astral body or our spiritual body, uh, which will uh, affect our physical body. Um, I, I think uh, if we focus on increasing our uh, kind of uh, frequency or our spiritual awareness, I think we're going to have better health in general because uh, as the oral readers all say, um, what really, what's really important is our auras, our astral body. And um, because our astral body affects our physical body. 
Yeah, very interesting. Michelle, are there any other questions out there? Uh, Doesn't look like it. No, it's a quiet night in chat. Um, you know what? What we could have you talk about is the scholarship. Yeah, absolutely. And going across the bottom of the screen right now is the link to your scholarship page. And also it is in the show description and it is now in the chat room as well. Why don't you just go ahead and speak to that before we head on out? So as I learned the things that Michelle de Marquet was not allowed to write in the book, uh, I think we can change the future for the better. And the way to do that is to uh, help the young people to know the directions that they um, should uh, follow in their path. So uh, mostly the young people, the students. So I came up with this uh, a Better World Scholarship um, with my Sona, China Sona Foundation. So anyone who reads the book and, and resonates to the content of the book uh, can write about it and 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 to uh, apply for the scholarship. Any student, whether it's a current uh, middle school, high school, or college student, or who used to be a student, are eligible to to apply for the scholarship. It's a thousand dollars each year, and the deadline is July nineteenth, and open to people from all over the world. Oh, excellent! Very very good. All right, well, Michelle. Um, I think we're going to start wrapping this up. So Samuel, this has been a great conversation. Hopefully it will stimulate more people to think and talk about these things and pick up the book, the Theoban prophecy or Theoba prophecy. Um, where can people find you on the web? People can find me on Facebook by searching my name, Samuel Chong, and also, um, search on Google, um, and the name of the book, Theoba Prophecy. And um, people can get the book on Amazon or for students, they can just do a search on Google. They can find a, probably a copy as well. And um, I hope everyone can read it. What we have been discussing is only covers about uh, maybe 3% of the content of the book. So there's a tremendous yeah. amount of information and uh, that can be really useful and helpful for your day-to-day -day life. All right. Well, I'll tell you what, Samuel, I am really interested in starting to dive into this book fully. And then once I do that, we'll send you an invite and we'll have you come back and we'll have a, a deeper conversation. <laughs> great, great. Awesome. All right, everybody. We were joined with uh, by Samuel Chung. And once again, thank you, everybody, for joining us. Samuel, we're going to say bye. I'm going to send you to the back as Michelle and I do our closing remarks. Have a great night. Thank you very much. Thank you. Michelle. Great conversation. It confirms a lot of what, you know, not only myself, but what several people in chat were already thinking as far as yeah. the, the higher self. Yeah, absolutely. Um, man, just, you know, we, 
we hear a lot of these stories um, that resonate with people that have had abductions and so much of this seems to be right at that same level. I mean, we had Dolly Saffron here who was telling us kind of the same exact thing. It was quite amazing. Um, But all right, Michelle, I think we're going to head on out. What do you think? Have a great night, everyone. Have a great night, everyone. And remember, keep those eyes to what, Michelle? To the sky. To the sky. listening to the Michigan UFO Sightings and Paranormal Encounters podcast. You can reach us at mi.ufo.podcast at gmail.com. You can also find us on Twitter at mi underscore UFO and join our Facebook group by searching for Michigan UFO Sightings and Paranormal Encounters. So until next time.